these kids don't spend the summer in the weight room or, or, or in off-season training. They spend their summers uh, on ships at military bases around the country. They don't get that much of a summer vacation. Fred Goldsmith said it best. He coached at Air Force for a number of years. The difference between a civilian football player and an academy football player is, is simple. For the civilian player, the hardest part of his day is football. For the academy player, the easiest part of his day <laughs> is football. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. That was best-selling author John, John Feinstein. He literally wrote the book on Army-Navy football. That great rivalry resumes tomorrow afternoon with its 120th installment. Every Army-Navy football game since the 1940s has been on national TV, and of course that is the case again tomorrow. Navy had won 14 in a row. Now Army has won three straight. Nine and two Navy is headed to a good bowl game and favored against the cadets the two teams are the top two in all of fbs football in rushing offense and they have a great tradition at the end where they sing each other's alma maters first the loser then the latter beat army beat navy anybody who's ever attended either of those outstanding institutions knows that that's what you say all day every day this game is played only once a year but it is special and often comes to mind when people ask the great college sports rivalries of all time in any sport duke carolina in basketball is one of the first answers for many army navy in football is on that short list as well 1-800-849-2761 here's what's on our agenda as we go to thomas in lillington who has a college basketball question we're always in favor of that among the things i'll watch this weekend in the nfl week 15 lamar jackson and the ravens were the story again last night as they routed the jets again lamar broke michael vick's single season quarterback rushing record more importantly in my eyes because we knew that was coming the guy has 33 touchdown passes and only six interceptions so he is throwing the ball better than guys like Michael Vick and Cam Newton and Randall Cunningham and others who fit that dual threat description in recent decades of NFL football. To me, the Ravens are the team to beat right now. I know others have really good teams as well. They have won a team record 10 straight, seven of those against likely playoff teams. Lamar Jackson, the star of that show. Things to watch on Sunday, Texans at Titans among the one o'clock games. Seattle at Carolina, of course, more intriguing perhaps from the Seahawks side. They're 10 and three in playoff bound. The Carolina, the Carolina Panthers are five and eight in searching for a new coach. So no playoff drama for Carolina this year. The Bears are at the Packers, the Rams are at the Cowboys, and the Bills are at the Steelers. Those are the other matches worth watching. Buffalo at Pittsburgh is your Sunday night special. Let's open the phone lines. Lakers at the Heat, the best uh, NBA matchup, I think, of the weekend. College football, both Army, Navy, and the FCS playoffs. Right up the road, James Madison, FCS superpower. National TV tonight against Northern Iowa. Kurt Signetti, the former Elon head coach, leads a team that is 12-1, and their only loss as they head into a bracket where it's JMU and North Dakota State, by far the two super heavyweights of FCS football right now. JMU's only loss under first-year head coach Kurt Signetti, formerly uh, an Elon head coach, formerly a, an NC State assistant coach, formerly worked for Nick Saban back in the day at Alabama. Only loss for JMU was to West Virginia of the FBS, and that was at West Virginia, and that was by only a touchdown. That's a heck of an FCS program. Remember, the Wolfpack went to West Virginia and put up less of a fight 
then JMU losing by seven to the Mountaineers at their place. 12-1 and James Madison hosting Northern Iowa on national TV tonight. Football, a plenty, college and pro. Not as many games, of course, until bowl season rolls around a week from now. But worth watching, of course, the coaching carousel spinning, early NFL entries, FCS playoffs, Heisman Trophy pr presentation tomorrow night in New York City, LSU's Joe Burrow, the quarterback, collected some hardware last night and will win the Heisman tomorrow night. Army-Navy tomorrow afternoon on CBS. As you dial up, 1-800-849-2761. You can jump in on the President's Cup in golf. A good weekend in college basketball. After a light schedule all week long because most schools are in exams, you get top 20 matchups, Gonzaga at Arizona, Oregon against Michigan. They're all four in the national top 20 right now. Remember, the Zags host the Tar Heels of UNC midweek next week. Closer to home, Xavier is a top 25 team visiting Wake Forest in what they call the Skip Prosser Classic. Syracuse is at Georgetown, a couple of old Big East rivals getting together. UCLA visits Notre Dame. I remember that matchup from my childhood, one of distinction back in the day in college hoops as well. UNC tries to wash the bad taste of ugly losses to Ohio State and UVA out of its mouth. They host Wofford on Sunday before heading to Gonzaga. The Wolfpack of NC State visits UNC Greensboro. That game also on Sunday. I think both the Spartans and the Pack have a great chance of ending up in the NCAA tournament. Of course, UNCG under Wes Miller will have to win its league in all likelihood. The Wolfpack likely an at-large team in year three under Kevin Keats. Thomas is next. You can follow with your question, comment, or complaint. 1-800-849-2761. NBA Canes and NHL, President's Cup Golf, Major League Baseball Free Agency, and of course a lot of football and basketball, also fair game. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. Thomas in Lillington, North Carolina, steer our ship. You are next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, man. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have a, a question about UNC basketball, obviously, and I'm, I'm wondering, is this a chemistry issue? Is this a Cole Anthony issue trying to do too much? Or is this just the worst shooting um, team in Carolina history? Mm. And are we an NCAA tournament team? Um, or are, do you think we, we are an IT? Yeah, you're an NCAA tournament team. I'm trying to remember. I have the name Larry Drew on my screen. What was the year of that Larry Drew debacle? I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it was 2011. 2000, right. 2000 and what was? I think it was 2010. That was the year they went to the NIT, correct? Uh, uh, with Larry Drew under Roy Williams. Here's the bottom line. Roy Williams has had basically one really bad season in his entire in a, uh, head coaching career. It, whether you go back to his Kansas days, and he inherited a mess there in 1988, or you just look at his tenure at Carolina from 2003, he inherited a different kind of mess from the Matt Doherty mutiny. Even his middling years, like his first year, inheriting all those unhappy players, talented but unhappy in the mutinous ship that was the Matt Doherty era, he still went 19-11. and 11. He still won as many ACC games as he lost. So you inherit a mess. You use the talent to fight through the obvious chemistry debacle that they had there. And you make the NCAA tournament, right? And it's not a vintage year. If we listed the four or five most mediocre seasons of Roy Williams' Hall of Fame career, that first season at Carolina would be on it. 
and the post scandal that wasn't his fault at Kansas initial season with the Jayhawks would also be on it. And I think the only bad year, that if those two were middling years by Roy Williams standards or Kansas or UNC standards, I, I don't think he's really had a bad year other than the one you're mentioning. It was after winning the 2009 national championship, right? So key guys are leaving left and right. And the heels went 20 and 17, barely above 500. That does not happen often in like a half century of UNC basketball. And they were actually 5 and 11 in conference play. Thomas, if if your question boils down to does this look like, you know, a 5 and I guess they play 20 games now in conference play, but it, it, a losing record in conference play and on the way to the NIT type season, my answer is no. And and the bottom line reason for that is when Roy Williams had his only truly bad season in several decades of being a head coach, that was one ugly roster, man. And this roster is led by a future NBA lottery pick in Cole Anthony, and it continues with a quality veteran forward in Garrison Brooks, and it continues with a promising freshman center in Amando Baycott. Now, I don't think the rest of that roster is all that good, just to be clear. But that is a better starting point for Roy Williams this year than that mess that I remember from that brutal NIT season of 2010. So you're right about the chemistry questions. And by the way, you're right about the three-point shooting problems. The Tar Heels are like shooting 40% from the field. They're one of the worst field goal shooting teams and one of the worst three-point shooting teams that you'll see Certainly in the top 25. I mean, it's a miracle that they're in the top 25, given how bad they've been offensively by Roy Williams standards. But is this, are they headed for that train wreck of 2010? Like that's a similar blemish on Roy Williams' Hall of Fame resume? No, because those top three guys are really good. And whereas I can't tell you how the rest of that roster is going to come together or not, he pointed out one of the issues. They haven't learned to play with Cole Anthony yet. Cole Anthony's going to be an NBA lottery pick, period. Now, does he become more than a special talent at the college level? Does he become a great distributor while already being a great scorer and a mover of the basketball? We don't know the answer to that. Obviously, that's one of the things Roy Williams is working on in practice as we speak. That guy has a track record, like the guy down the road, Mike Krzyzewski in Durham, when they need to find the right buttons, they tend to find the right buttons. Their teams tend to be a lot better in February and March than they are in November and December. The difference is at Duke, in a place like Louisville, elsewhere in the ACC, they have enough horses to make a run at a national championship. Out of 15 ACC teams, here's how I would break it down. Duke and Louisville, among the best teams in the country, both in terms of what they've done so far and what they can become as national championship contenders, at the other end of the spectrum, I wouldn't say anybody in the ACC is horrible, but I wouldn't think that Boston College or Clemson or Miami or Wake Forest is going to make a run at an NCAA tournament at large bid. So picture those four at the bottom. Georgia Tech actually is ineligible for the NCAA tournament, so let's just throw the Yellow Jackets. Let's say they're in the bottom five. B.C., Clemson, Miami, Wake Forest, and, and Georgia Tech kind of with an asterisk because uh, an NCAA scandal led to a postseason ban in their case. Duke and Louisville, by the way, are alone at the top of the ACC. UVA's not close. Carolina's not close. I know Florida State and those other two are in the top 25. 
not close. So you got Duke, Louisville, UVA, UNC, and Florida State. They've been in the top 25. They'll probably stay there for much of the season, in my opinion. You got the bottom five. And then in between, I think you have five schools that have a chance at making an NCAA tournament. You got the Wolfpack, which we've been talking about a lot. Pitt, in year two under Jeff Capel, may have a breakthrough year. Syracuse isn't great, but Jim Beheim's a great coach. I think that they have a shot. Notre Dame's disappointed so far, but they were my dark horse. Maybe I'll prove to be just completely wrong, but maybe the Irish rebound a little bit. And Virginia Tech has been the surprise team of the ACC. So f- five in the top 25, five unlikely to make the postseason, in my opinion, and then five in the middle. And, you know, the ACC usually ends up with seven, eight, nine NCAA tournament bids, sometimes even more than that. And the reality for the Tar Heels is whereas they are not like Duke and Louisville, in my opinion. This is not a potential Final Four team. This is not a make a run at first place. And if you look at Roy Williams' track record, folks, one of the most impressive parts of his Hall of Fame resume is the number of times that he wins a regular season title. It is, or ties, you know. Official champion is the tournament champion, right? Regular season first place finishes. Roy Williams did it last year. 2017, 2016, 2012, 2011, 2009, 2008, 2007, 2005. I mean, that's like roughly half the time. You're in a 15-team league, and you're in first or tied for first in the conference standings roughly half the time. And at Kansas, he did the same thing. It is really hard in any league to be the regular season champion or co-champion half the time. Really, really hard. Even Coach K, the, the GOAT, doesn't finish in first place nearly as often as you might think, especially lately. So Roy Williams has this phenomenal track record for consistent success and high-end success, obviously, with his three NCAA championships. This clearly, and your question obviously implies that you realize this already, it's just not going to be an elite Carolina team. I tried to warn everybody this summer, when you lose two one-and-done talented freshmen to the NBA and three quality seniors in Cam Johnson, Luke May, and Kenny Williams, you either have to try the John Calipari, Mike Krzyzewski, off-the-charts freshman superstar rare path to glory where you're following the next generation of one-and-done freshmen to some kind of success. And remember, Cal did it at Kentucky one year, and Kay did it at Duke back in 2015. Carolina did not sign that kind of recruiting class. Cole Anthony's great. Armando Baycott is good, but it's not that kind of a recruiting class. So where do you end up? You end up, I think, still in the top half of the ACC, but nowhere near Duke and Louisville. And what has to happen, of course, what probably will happen is that Roy Williams teaches the Tar Heels how better to play off the unique talent of the freshman point guard, Cole Anthony. That has to happen. The other thing that you can teach a little bit, like you can teach how to get your teammates slightly more open three-point shots, but at some point the teaching ends and dudes just got to hit shots, right? And at Carolina, whereas it is not a star-studded roster in terms of just offensive ability. Again, Cole Anthony is explosive and fun to watch and is going to be an all-ACC guy and probably an all-American. Christian Keeling was almost a 40% three-point shooter when he was in a lesser conference. He's had a lot of growing pains dealing with longer, quicker, better defenders in the ACC. You had a certain amount of time and certain, you know, arm length of your opponents, for the most part, in a lesser conference, Charleston Southern. And it's a lot quicker. 
against better defenders and smaller shooting windows, and you got to be quicker, and you got to have your feet set, and you got to work with the point guard who has the ball in his hands most of the time. So Christian Keeling has it on his resume to be a great shooter. He hasn't been anything close to that. Brandon Robinson, UNC's senior, in limited action, actually hit more than 40% of his threes last year, so you know he can do it. It's in there somewhere. But I wonder how open are your threes if you're Brandon Robinson last year as a role player. How much more open are your threes when you've got Luke May around you and Kobe White? You know, the defense has to deal with Kobe White last year as the star freshman point guard. And, oh, by the way, Cam Johnson's one of the best sharpshooters in all of college basketball. Imagine how open you are when they're worried about Luke May, Cam Johnson, Kobe White, Nasir Little, and Kenny Williams. You're open, open. And so he shoots 40-plus percent from the field. Well, guess what? When those five guys leave UNC and you return Brandon Robinson for your senior year, and defenses, yeah, they got to deal with Cole Anthony. And yeah, Armando Baycott's on some nights a good post presence and scorer. And yes, I like Garrison Brooks as a reliable, solid two-way player. Guess what? Defenses aren't afraid of anybody else at all. So instead of open threes for Brandon Robinson last year, 40-plus percent accuracy rate, he's not open at all. Because he's considered one of the better secondary threats beyond the most talented players. So Christian Keeling has it on his resume, but it's not happening. Brandon Robinson has it on its resume, but it's not happening. Andrew Playtech was a very good shooter in high school, but he hasn't really been that for the Tar Heels yet, and he's been getting minutes. So, so where's that going to come from? Roy, Roy Williams has a Hall of Fame resume. He does not have a magic wand. So the, the ultimate answer to your question, no, the Tar Heels are not going to face plant unless Cole Anthony gets hurt or, you know, chemistry problems abound. And Roy Williams' track record is such that he's not going to let chemistry problems abound. When teams lose more than they thought they would lose, they can point fingers. Roy Williams has, is one of the best I have ever witnessed when it comes to relationships with his players. And when Matt Doherty's players lost... They not only pointed fingers at each other, you know, Rashad McCants was not exactly the best teammate in the world and wasn't as a pro either, but they pointed fingers at their coach. They didn't like Matt Doherty. They didn't trust Matt Doherty. They thought he was abusive toward them emotionally and otherwise and an inappropriate coach in a lot of ways. You're not rallying through adversity with a coach that you don't like and you don't trust and you think is abusing you. Roy Williams is the opposite of all that. Those guys would run through the proverbial brick wall for him, just as the Devils would for Mike Krzyzewski. Duke doesn't win at Virginia Tech unless Mike Krzyzewski has a great relationship with those players. Vernon Carey Jr. is a future lottery pick in the NBA. Maybe after only one season, probably after only one season at Duke. He only played 15 minutes against the Hokies. That doesn't happen unless the coach and the prep All-American freshman center future lottery pick have a good, strong relationship where he can say, and you know how moms and dads are and high school and AAU coaches are, how could my guy sign with Duke and they're on the road in the ACC and he's, an, he's a lottery pick and he only played 15 minutes? Unless you're the GOAT, you're going to be second-guessed into oblivion by mom and dad and high school coach and maybe even the player himself which can, again, cause chemistry and, and, and related problems. Kay has a hand on all of that. Kay has more credibility than or as much as any coach in the history of college sports in any sport, so the players trust him, and the same at Carolina. 
It is not going to be a vintage year for the Tar Heels the way it might be for Duke or Louisville. But those guys trust Roy Williams. They believe in Roy Williams. They're going to practice hard. They're going to try to right the ship. It's just there aren't enough horses for it to be one of Roy Williams' better teams. There aren't enough good players for them to make a run at yet another regular season title. Can they still be an NCAA tournament team? I'd personally be shocked if they were not. But, yeah, they got to get better. This is not an easy league this year. I gave you the bottom five, and some of them could jump up and bite you on a single night. The top five, you know, good luck. They got beaten solidly by UVA. Florida State's a tough opponent. Duke and Louisville are very, very good. And it's not like, you know, the Tar Heels record against the Wolfpack is absolutely dominating head-to-head under Roy Williams. You want to bet on either of those games this year? That's a lot closer matchup, NC State versus UNC right now, than it has been in most of the years I've been covering it. 1-800-849-2761. They're not going to face plant. They're not going to be great. It's just a matter of where they end up falling in between. Roy Williams doesn't let down that fan base very often. I would just advise the fan base that if you're expecting true greatness from this roster, that's a you problem more than a Roy Williams problem. He can get a good team out of this assembly. I don't think he can get an elite team out of this roster. We'll see. 1-800-849-2761. Free for All Friday continues with your questions, your comments, and your complaints. I'll be watching some President's Cup golf later today and tomorrow as that four-day event in Australia comes to a close. In 12 previous competitions, the internationals won only one time, and yet they are leading big after the first two days. Day three is today, tonight. Day four with 12 singles matches coming at you tomorrow. The NFL has a good schedule. The college ranks have a light schedule on the gridiron. The NBA offers the Lakers at the Heat tonight. The NHL offers the Carolina Hurricanes continuing their tour of West Canada. They have not lost yet win at Edmonton, overtime loss at Vancouver. I should say they didn't have a hollow game yet. They got three of the possible four points on the first two games of a five-game road trip. More on those headlines with more of your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. The head devil... David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to, to just do it right. You know, all the fans are always going to defend their programs, and they should. And sometimes we all make somebody in another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show. North Carolina State. They led by eight at halftime, and then they found themselves in a catch-up posture. They've tied it up. They've got one more timeout left. Down to 14 seconds. Oh, almost stolen by Drexler. Boy, is he good at that. They've got to drive to the basket. It's down to seven seconds. You can see the time. Wittenberg. Oh, it's a long way. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That's another little 1983 cardiac pack. Jimmy V, national championship. The pass, as Coach Witt will always remind us. The throwdown against Phi Slamma Jamma. It was one of the great upsets in college basketball history. ESPN's platforms, of course, have been celebrating Jimmy V Week. You can jump in here on Free For All Friday with your question, comment, or complaint. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. What's on my agenda? As you dial up intern Will at 1-800-849-2761. The NFL, college football, college basketball. We have soccer this week on our plate. 
did you know that Major League Soccer will announce next week that the city of Charlotte will become the latest to earn an expansion franchise that is mostly due to the very deep pockets of Carolina Panthers football owner David Tepper. He is also going to earn, own that MLS franchise. It will be franchise number 30. No announcement yet on when it will be playing at that level. But soccer, Major League Baseball free agency, the NHL, the NBA, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Carolina Panthers, and the Charlotte Hornets on our mind. I'll be watching the, the President's Cup in golf tonight and tomorrow night as that event comes to a conclusion in Australia for the first time in a long time. The Americans are trailing big in a competition that they have lost only one time outright in about three decades of competition. U.S. versus the world, in this case, has the world winning. Quick reminder as we come to your question, comment, or complaint, college basketball also on my mind. Xavier at Wake Forest, NC State at UNC Greensboro, Wofford at struggling UNC, the closer-to-home matchups worth watching nationally. Number six, Gonzaga goes to number 15, Arizona. That's tomorrow night. Number 10, Oregon, takes on number five, Michigan. If you're a college hoops person who doesn't wait for March Madness every year, those are two great national matchups. The latter, the Ducks against the Wolverines, is your national game at noon on CBS tomorrow. 1-800-849-2761. Syracuse at Georgetown, UCLA at Notre Dame. Among the other matchups, Georgia Tech of the ACC visits the Kentucky Wildcats, one of the four number one teams that have already gone down in college basketball this year. Louisville lost this week as the number one. Duke, remember, lost to Stephen F. A. Stephen F. Austin in the Stone Cold Stunner at Cameron Indoor as the number one. Kentucky and Michigan State also have lost as number one teams. That's just how the college basketball season is going to be this year. In the NFL, as we come to your calls 1-800-849-2761 quick follow-up on the president's cup that i forgot to mention this every two-year event you know usa versus europe is the Ryder cup usa versus the rest of the world is the president's cup one gets only a fraction of the attention because the americans always win almost the president's cup whereas it's been a crazy wild fun to watch less predictable pendulum swing in the Ryder Cup, and there aren't as many big names on the international side as they are on the European side. Always big names. Tiger Woods, a playing captain as we speak for Team USA. He and partner Justin Thomas are 2-0 and through two days. All other Americans combined, though, have managed only one and a half points. So the Americans trail six and a half to three and a half going into tonight's eight matches and tomorrow night's or to, yeah tomorrow night's our time anyway 12 singles matches in two years you know, again every other year event like the Ryder Cup in two years the President's Cup will be here in North Carolina sometimes I brag about we have everything right we even have the MLS on the way in the form of whatever they call that Charlotte franchise and they will start playing it might be two years from now maybe three years from now I haven't seen that definitively just yet we have everything but Major League Baseball in terms of top-level pro sports franchises. We have NASCAR. We have even the occasional golf major. We have all sorts of other sports, college and pro, 
at Quail Hollow in Charlotte two years from now will be the President's Cup. That is one event that I have not seen in person. Uh, I don't know if it's near the top of my sports bucket list. I've chalked most of those things up over the years. But uh, if you're into such things, and I think match play is as good as it gets in golf, we'll see if the Americans can come back in Australia over these next two days. No, it's not as many big names, but I find the matchups really compelling, the team aspect of golf really compelling, the rowdier fans at the Ryder Cup especially, but also the President's Cup make it different and fun as well. Quail Hollow, two years from now, 2021, will be the site of the President's Cup that year. Chris is in the triangle, and next up with his question, comment, or complaint, you can follow at 1-800-849-2761. One of the bigger items of the coaching carousel in our neighborhood this week, Sean Clark first dubbed the interim head coach for the App State Mountaineers when Eli Drinkwitz took the Missouri job then was promoted to head coach. So a former Mountaineers offensive lineman is the full-time new App State head coach. Remember, Scott Satterfield was a former Mountaineers quarterback as a player and assistant and eventually head coach. Now, he dedicated a couple decades of his life to that program. They're hoping for something similar with Sean Clark, who has that App State diploma and wore that App State uniform in a way, of course, that Eli Drinkwitz, leaving after less than a full season, using App State as a stepping stone after claiming it was not a stepping stone, that left a rough taste in some people's mouths. He's off to Missouri with a big, fat raise financially. Sean Clark is the new leader of the Mountaineers at the New Orleans Bowl of course, but more importantly, had that interim tag removed by A.D. Doug Gillen, who is also staying with the Mountaineers. Chris, what's on your mind when it comes to that transaction? Were you thumbs up, thumbs down, or not sure on Sean Clark taking over a program that has already become the best in the Sunbelt Conference? Um, I'm actually thumbs up because I think consistency is the reason Appalachian is not just the best in the Sunbelt, but frankly the best in North Carolina over the last 25 years or longer. Um, you know, I, I think the, the big thing that bothered me so much with Drinkwitz was he came in and gave a lot of song and dance about not being a stepping stone. Meanwhile, I always felt like it clearly was for him. But having that kind of coaching carousel at a school like Appalachian, I think is going to just do huge disservice if that's what continues to happen to the culture there. And frankly, the fact that the students, again, sort of back to the NCAA problem, are have no option and sort of yes they can transfer but there's penalties yeah. unless they can find some fake reason to not have a penalty like this has got to change by the way you know the answer to the question people ask a lot you know tapping into my legal background why are coaches not required to sit out when they change jobs but with some exceptions athletes have to sit out a year competitively when they change schools they don't they don't have to sit out academically but they're not eligible for their new team in most cases right away they got to sit out a year at least in the big sports of football and men's basketball the bottom line is if the NCAA tried to limit head coaches that way you know these are these are American citizens right the laws of the United States apply to the NCAA it would be patently on its face no doubt about it no legal arguments necessary illegal for the NCAA to tell coaches, adults, you know, in their profession, you got to sit out a year if you switch schools, just so everybody knows. That's not like an NCAA discretion thing. The NCAA, which has lost a lot of lawsuits over the years, 
knows that they would get abs- – it would be like a judge, you know, before the gavel hits the desk – it's a ruling against the NCAA. You're not allowed to limit people in their professional livelihoods that way. So that's why coaches can jump without having to sit a year. Athletes, as amateurs, work in a system that whether people think it's fair or unfair or in between, it is established that the NCAA is allowed to have those uh, restrictions on transfers. And I think what's interesting about the App State job, Chris, is I've advised you know, fan bases of, say, Power 5 schools. To me, if you're at a Power 5 school, you should never worry, unless you need a tiebreaker, whether your coaching candidate went to that school or not. In fact, I've, some of the worst decisions I've ever made, I've seen made, are when you place too much weight on whether a guy went to your school or not. If you would not be interested in a coach were he not a former player, you should not be interested in him, even though he is. In other words, ex- whether it's Sean Clark, who just got the App State job, or anybody else, yes, it's okay to put some weight on it. At the Power 5 level, I don't think you need to put much weight on whether a guy went to your school or played in your uniform because they're less likely to use you as a stepping stone because they already have a Power 5 job. Now, some of those are better than others, of course, but – Half of Power 5 jobs, if you treat a coach well and he succeeds, he doesn't have one eye on his next job. In the group of five, it doesn't work that way because Eli Drinkwitz, at the very minimum, quintupled his income by taking the Missouri job. And, folks, that is, if you tried to look at Eli Drinkwitz's future, 10 years of success at App State or three years of failure at Missouri, he still makes more money by taking the Missouri job. And I don't think everybody understands that it is a quintupling of your income, at least, for Eli Drinkwitz when he takes the job. So a lot of folks didn't like he left after a year, but also understood, man, if somebody offered to pay me five times more than I'm making right now, I'd have probably taken that job as well. At a place like App State, again, if you're Alabama, Clemson, if you're even a good job in the ACC, SEC, or the other Power Five leagues, your head coach typically does not have one eye on his next gig. If you are in the group of five, almost by definition, they will take phone calls from Power 5 programs. It doesn't mean every Power 5 job is better than every group of five job. That is not the case. And if they think, if a coach thinks I can win here at ECU in the AAC, here at App State in the Sun Belt, if they believe I can win here, they're not taking a bottom half jo- of the group of five job um, if they think they're going to fall on their face competitively. What are the first two questions all coaching candidates ask? How much can you pay me and my staff, and can I win there? They don't want to leave a place where they have the best resources and the best fan base in the whole conference and the best track record of success and take the worst job in some other conference. Most of the time, they don't want to do that. Now, when it's quintupling your income, you weigh that into the equation. But App State had to decide, if Eli Drinkwitz left after less than a full season, and we find the next hot up-and-coming whatever, and he has one eye on his next job, well, we could still be the superpowers of the Sun Belt and maybe churn through, you know, five different coaches in a 10-year period. You don't want that. So, yes, at the group of five level, the ideal candidate is the guy that has sentimental personal reasons to stay. Doesn't mean he have to stay forever. But Scott Satterfield, the length of his stay in Boone, of course was impacted by the fact that he wore that uniform. 
He helped build an FCS superpower. He was the head coach who made the transition to the FBS level a successful one and built the best program in the Sun Belt. He would have left earlier in all likelihood had he not had that emotional attachment to his own alma mater. So, yes, you should put some weight on it. The bottom line, though, is you must believe Sean Clark, besides his diploma, is the right fit for your job. You must ask yourself the question, are other schools interested in this guy? Because if the only reason we're really interested in him is he has an App State degree and a former player, well, that's not, that's not a good reason to hire someone. And again, I'm just using him as an example. Those in the App State culture know that Sean Clark helped build this dynasty. Knows that They know that he is part of the sort of trenches first mindset that has allowed the Mountaineers to be successful from Jerry Moore to Scott Satterfield all the way through Eli Drinkwitz. He's a good recruiter. He's been there a while, so he's been a part of this success. He played for them uh, some two decades ago. As long as you are in love with him as a candidate beyond his diploma and his playing former player status, then it's all good. And, and certainly, if it's a close call, make the call in favor of the guy who has a sentimental reason to stay a lot longer than Eli Drinkwitz just did. Just don't hire him if the number one reason you like him is that he went to your school. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. We're right back to your calls, and it's a last call for phone calls next on The David Glenn Show. I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance, and I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances, and I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. 1-800-849-2761. Last chance for phone calls here on Free For All Friday as we're halfway to Margaritaville. The NFL, college football, the golf world with the President's Cup, the Canes in Western Canada, the NBA, including the Lakers at the Heat tonight, and the Hornets, better than expected, at Chicago tonight, at Indianapolis on Sunday. Those sports and more offer something for everyone off the field and the court and the ice. Major League Baseball signings continue. Madison Bumgarner, Braves third baseman Josh Donaldson among the bigger names that have not yet signed mega deals. At the end of a week where Garrett Cole left the Astros for the Yankees on a record-setting deal, Steven Strasburg stayed with the Nationals on another huge deal. Anthony Rendon left Washington for the Angels. Zach Wheeler left the Mets for my Philadelphia Phillies. Cole Hamels, a new member of the Atlanta Braves. Those dominoes will keep falling and beyond free agency, remember, the next round worth watching for baseball fans it is trade season last call for phone calls right now chris is in chapel hill andy is in high point let's go to andy you are next on the david glenn show go right ahead how are you doing today david doing great man what's on your mind well i was just curious you were talking about the coaches and i know this would be a hard sell for anything but the coaches care you know could not be required to wait instead of year out but also in the corporate world, you got a high-powered salesman. Uh, non-compete. Yes. Now that's different because what I said earlier, if the NCAA unilaterally adopted a rule saying coaches had to sit out a year or whatever if they switch schools, 
they would be sued, they would lose, and they would get penalized truly mega millions of dollars. And their attorneys know that, and that's why there's no such rule. Now, in the corporate world, as in this example, you could try to negotiate. But imagine in the corporate world, Andy, and maybe you are one of those high-priced salesmen, why would you agree to that non-compete clause? Probably in part because you know it's fairly common in your industry. Why would a mega million dollar football or basketball coach ever agree to a non-compete clause when it is unheard of in their industry, right? Market forces matter. So if you're a salesperson and you have five different great lucrative job offers, but they all come with the non-compete, like when you leave, you know, for this reason, you got to sit out for X number of years or you got to leave the market or whatever. In your industry, if it's commonplace, you're, you're kind of feeling pressure. Man, all five offers have some version of this non-compete clause. I, I guess I better take one. It is the exact opposite in the coaching world. There just are no such examples. So why would any coach in his right mind agree to be that guinea pig if four of the five job offers he has are, you know, I'm saying, of course not, coach. Now there's a buyout, and you got to pay us something if you leave before a certain time, right? Buyouts matter. But that's, that's not as extreme as a non-compete clause. It just, you know, all schools and coaches agree usually to two different numbers. What do we owe you if we pay, if we fire you early? And what do you owe us if you leave us early? And you negotiate those numbers. But the non-compete aspect is just not in play in college sports the way I, I know it is. And I've seen it. And I've actually advised many of my legal clients on the restrictions, what's legal, what's not when it comes to non-compete clauses? It's a great question. Again, the NCAA could not unilaterally adopt a law, a rule, penalizing coaches that way. They'd get crushed. They'd get annihilated financially and in the public forum. Uh, theoretically, could you play the non-compete game with coaches? Yeah, theoretically, but no coach in his right mind is going to be the first to sign such a deal. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch to the sounds of Jimmy Buffett. That's next on the David Glenn Show. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four ties, <laughs> not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch they come. Little Jimmy Buffett, lovely cruise takes us into the weekend. Appreciate you joining us for all or part of these last five days. And many of you contributed by phone, email, or Twitter. As I watch some NFL action, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks visiting our Panthers. The Hornets are on the road. The Carolina Hurricanes are on the road. Army-Navy is tomorrow. The Heisman Trophy presentation is tomorrow night. I'll be tuning into the President's Cup in the golf world and taking in some college basketball as well. Don't forget, you can see the College Cup right here in Cary at Wake Med Soccer Park. UVA at, against Wake Forest in one of the semifinals tonight. Championship match on Sunday. And our state has... High school football championship games at Duke, State, Carolina, and Wake throughout the day tomorrow. So congrats to all of those finalists, and early congrats to the eight champions. We'll see you Monday on The David Glenn Show. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to The David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina. 
Love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.